Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft tapes. Lord and Begora, Amen. Pastor Nancy intoned with finality and a shameful sense of relief. From the pulpit, her words echoed hollow and empty, even to her ears. The half-hearted sermon she'd given only minutes before was already dissipating from memory as she looked out at the meager congregation. Church this Sunday was occupied by only the most stalwart of the remaining faithful in Las Cruces, and that wasn't saying much. She counted less than a dozen, pale and wan figures whose necks bent forward eagerly over the open Bibles in their hands, as if the verse could somehow illuminate the horrors that had occurred in their hometown only weeks ago. Nancy sighed as she closed her own leather-bound tome, knowing full well the good book held no such sucker, neither for them nor for her. In the back row, a familiar figure glared at her, Mike Schwartz. He hadn't shown even a pretense of interest in the scripture this morning, and she knew why. He still blamed her for not stopping Ben McKnight and Rosa Garcia that day in the church. He said as much when he cornered her in the rectory, after the media and law enforcement presence in the village moved on to other tragedies. Mike had publicly accused the two children for the disappearances of their friend, Kyle Wyndham, Kyle's uncle John, and that awful boy, Randy Harrington, not to mention many other citizenry and farm animals in the area, but had been unable to articulate any coherent argument or provide tangible evidence. The FBI wrote him off as a conspiracy theory kook, while the local papers painted him as a flagrant attention-getter. So he eventually latched onto her, knowing she had no choice but to listen. That ultimately, was her function in this community. Or, at least it had been. While the strains of pre-recorded organ music rose in volume, the flock hurried out the front doors of the church without waiting for her to send them off. She couldn't blame them. They were eager to get back home, return to their mundane versions 
of normal life. Even Mike didn't bother casting a farewell sneer in her direction as he ducked out into the blinding summer sunlight. She stood stock still on the dais until the last person had departed and she was alone again in the solace of this holy house. Warily listening until the sound of the departing parishioners receded to nothingness, she glided down the aisle to lock the entrance. As the tumbler engaged, her features transformed in an instant. One moment, her face held the angelic, placid gaze of a spiritual leader. The next, it became an avarice ravaged grimace, punctuated by bloodshot eyes that jittered in their sockets. Like a malevolent spider, she practically scuttled back to the lectern and passed the heavy, burgundy colored tapestry that hung on the wall behind. Beyond was a cloistered windowless chamber, dimly lit by thin white tapers whose wax dripped steadily onto the stone floor. Her sight slowly adjusted as she cast about in the gloom. There. It was still there in the northeast corner. This reassurance calmed her thoughts, which had become increasingly manic this past week. She smiled and straightened, walking slowly toward the thing, optic nerves drinking in the image of its magnificence. It had appeared that Monday, shortly after the trembler shook the ground beneath the village weeks ago. When the reaping, as she liked to think of it, had taken so many residents elsewhere. Was its sudden emergence a coincidence? She didn't think so, but so far had been unable to provide any other rational explanation for its presence. The quake had caused a crack to appear in the floor of this antechamber. It protruded from a small rift in the stonework, like a magic trick, a rabbit out of a hat. It was the size of an adolescent, barely four feet tall, jet black and jagged, leaning upward at an angle, the obsidian surface etched with markings that seemed to form an ancient language, one that she could not yet comprehend. Still, she couldn't look away from the whorls and deep carvings which almost appeared to be distinct representative shapes creatures, planets, weapons. 
the more she looked, the more she wanted to understand. So, she spent days poring over the object, tracing it with her fingers, as if that might expedite her comprehension. In all that time, she barely noticed that it was getting bigger. Now, it was the size of a man or a woman. A tall humanoid, at any rate. It towered a foot above her, almost peering down with an inscrutable, imperious gaze at the human servant who bent respectfully to polish the black stone with fervor. She felt at any moment it might speak to her in that otherworldly language. The speech would emit like the tolling of a distant bell, a celestial tongue ringing out commands that only she could hear. As she continued to caress the rock with her smooth palms, a rapturous smile bloomed like an ivory rose on her face. Almost in answer, finally, mercifully, a vertical split opened in the stone above her. It widened slowly to reveal a single gleaming jaundiced orb which observed her with impassive disdain. She returned the stare, open-mouthed, drool dripping onto the floor like molten wax from a melting candle. Another fissure appeared beneath the first, only this time it was horizontal and rimmed with spiraling rows of craggy stalagmites and stalactites. The edges of the maw splintered as if the thing were grinning. Lord and Begora. It rumbled, and it was the triumphant sound of the end times. Amen, she replied in a respectful hush. After all, this was a church. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2023. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.